Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a sometimes fortnightly, sometimes monthly podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. Sometimes we like to talk about a particular trait, other times we like to talk about what's happened in the campaign so far, or we'll be looking at some other aspect of this game that we spend so much time playing and enjoying. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... Uh, it's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you? Uh, um, uh, yeah, you know what? It's yeah, I was really down last week, but feeling great this week. <laughs> that we won't be adding timestamps to the description of this episode for you to work out <laughs> what times Peter's referring to, but last week may have been but minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> how about yourself? That, that, that's how that bit always ends. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm well as well. And I'm particularly looking forward to this episode because today, listener, we're going to do another one of our investigator-specific episodes. I always look forward to doing these because it's great to just, rather than trying to remember all 16 released investigators at one time, 18 if you count Norman and Marie, it's nice to just focus on one and think more closely about it. These, these episodes seem to be the ones where people most often write to us and say, oh, I'd never considered such and such before, and thank you for bringing this to my attention, and I'll, and I'll go and try it, which is always great to hear. Um, I think, I, we, was Min the last one we did? Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people maybe didn't appreciate the things that Min could do. So when we, we talked to people about that, they was like, oh, well, I'm excited to try this now. So Cool. So no pressure is what you're saying. That's no it, yeah. <laughs> now, this, this is one that we've actually been talking about doing for quite some time. And recently I released one of my live play episodes. Thank you very much for the feedback I've been getting on that. It's been really gratifying and really useful. And we had already been talking about doing an episode all about Stefano Russo. And we're going to do that today. Do you want to take us through the front of her card? I will take us through the front of her card. So, yet again, I'm not exactly sure how to pronounce it, whether it's Safina or Sefina. Did we get... I've been erring towards Sefina, and I've just been abbreviating it to Seth. And yeah. I think Seth is a really cool name. That's so quite a cool name. So that it ticks all the boxes for me. Maybe we could call her SR. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Her initials. Roos. There was something interesting about the name. I, I, oh, I wish I'd looked this up again before we started. There was someone, I believe, who lived in Tahiti, where Safina is from, or Sefina is from, Seth. Mm. Uh, and he'd, he'd mentioned the name wasn't a typical Tahitian name, I seem I to I remember. I remember seeing that happening as well, yeah. So so if whoever, it was in the Discord, so if either that person wants to say hello and, and remind us what it was, or... Um, someone else can remember that little anecdote. Then, then share it with us, and we'll put it on the post when we share the share yeah, the episode please. when it goes yeah, out. Yeah. So yeah, so we have uh, Seth Rousseau, who is the painter, uh, and she's a rogue. Actually, uh, she is an artist. Her stats are four willpower, two intellect, two combat, and four agility, and she has five health and nine sanity. Now, I think with Sephina. Let's just chat about her stats before we go into her abilities, because the ability is quite lengthy. Yes, I like to think of her stats as the trench. Two the peaks trench. at either end, and this gulf in the middle. We need to think of a name for an investigator that has two fours and two twos. 
because it, it crops up a fair bit and it gives you a big hint as to what that investigator should be doing or what they're going to be good at. So Zoe has two, uh, four willpower and four fight and she can cast the odd spell and she can punch stuff. Yep. Sephina has four willpower and four agility. So she has a reasonable chance against the encounter deck if she has access to spells. Who knows at this point? She can cast spells, okay. Uh, but yep. she can also evade quite reasonably as well. Yeah. And given that she's a green card, we assume she can take rogue cards. So anything that plays off agility, like a sneak attack, a backstab, things like that. Agility 4 is a nice place to start for those cards. Yeah. Uh, We do see as well she's got a relatively shallow health pool, although she does have quite a deep uh, sanity pool. So she's not going to want to be going toe-to-toe with enemies, potentially. um, Yeah. Depending on, obviously, what card she's taken. Well, should we have a look at her ability then? Because I think she's she's certainly one of the more unique investigators with how she plays. Yes. So her ability is forced. When you would draw your opening hand, draw 13 cards instead. Choose up to five events to place beneath this card and keep eight cards as your opening hand. Discard the rest. You cannot mulligan. So she's building up, uh, in other games we'd call it a sideboard of, of events. Yep. And then she has uh, an action. Uh, Choose an event beneath this card and draw it. Does not provoke attacks of opportunity. So she gets a full-sized opening hand. She can put some to one side and then draw from that mini pile of events whenever she wants to. Yeah. Finally, we have her Elder Sign effect, which is plus three. You may choose an event beneath this card and draw it. So a free draw, but it has to be from your little pool of events. Yes. So this this is interesting. It's it all starts to come together as we look at more of her cards. But for now, what she gets is a is a is a little bit of a turbo boost before the game begins. A small note on that: you cannot mulligan. Yeah, the mulligan in Arkham is very generous. You can select cards from your hand to set to one side and redraw to fill their space. Given that she's drawing thirteen cards, you could potentially see twenty six cards from your deck. And in a normal size deck of 33, that's just a ludicrous amount of cards. So I can see why they don't want to allow a mulligan for Seth, because you could get through so many cards. You could really essentially choose the perfect 13 starting cards. But the other thing to note, in case you're not sure, is the rule about weaknesses still stands. So if you draw a weakness in that 13, you do still set that to one side and, and draw it so that you have 13 non-weakness cards in your opening hand. So you could potentially see 15 cards if you have two weaknesses. So the other thing is, uh, it, it's obviously driving us to uh, to include more events as well, because we're keeping five events. We're keeping five events in her, in her sideboard. Uh, we mm. keep eight cards in our hand, which is exactly 13. Yes. So if you ran no events... <laughs> You've got to discard five cards. Yeah. So I mean I you know maybe out there there's there's a fantastic low event Seth build but generally you want to include a hefty chunk of events I I, I did I did do the maths a while ago and I think you you want over 20 ish events something like that to have a, you know a 95% chance of not having to discard any cards and it seems like more generally the consensus has reached 15 or 16 is pretty reasonable for your odds of hitting 5 and going down yeah. to 14, you're getting to a slightly uncomfortable point. It it does depend, though. I mean, maybe one day I'll have to just try a, a no-event Seth deck 
and see what it feels like because you can end up with with duplicate cards in the other eight that you've drawn that you just decide you know you, you end up with two copies of a unique ally you think well one of these cards i'm just going to discard it's just going to be a committed to a test with a relevant icon or i'm just going to draw up beyond that and that's the card i get rid of so it's not the end of the world if you lose one or two events from your opening hand you're still starting with eight no absolutely not yeah Okay, should we flip her over and look at the back? Yes. Seth has a deck size of 33, so that's three cards larger than the usual deck. Her options for deck building, she can take rogue cards level 0 to 5 and neutral cards level 0 to 5. No surprises there. And she can take mystic cards level 0 to 2. Good friends, the purples. Her deck building requirements, which don't count towards her deck size, are three copies of the Painted World, one copy of Stars of Hyades, and one random basic weakness. So total deck, 38, five larger than normal. But as we've talked about, she draws an extra eight cards. Yeah. So she actually has a smaller deck when she starts the game? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) She draws down to 25, whereas a normal player would draw down to 28. She's yeah. three three cards ahead. So even though her deck is three cards nominally larger, well five cards larger, she's three cards ahead. So yes, interesting. So so Rogue and Mystic, and I think bearing in mind what her ability does and her focus on events, this is a great card pool for her. Because there are yes. some some really potent events in both factions. Especially when you start spending a bit more experience in the rogue faction, we're looking at cards like uh, Hot Streak. Yeah, You know, I mean, Sure Gamble, Ace in the Hole, these are all event cards that are, are very potent. Uh, and also, a bigger starting hand means more chance to draw those early on in the game, which is when you want them. Yes, yeah. Just that chance to see these amazing tricks so you don't have 10 XP of events sitting at the bottom of your deck is is great. I remember when we first found out about Seth, there hadn't really been a rogue-mystic combination before. And I remember us having a really vigorous conversation of the sort of excitement around, oh my goodness, you can run Drawn to the Flame in Seth. You can run Ward of Protection in Seth. And this sort of, you know, before that point, Jenny, most people were building her in a combat-ish way, maybe combat investigation. And Skids yeah. is obviously guardian traded. And it just, yeah, blew open the, the deck building options for us. Shall we look at uh, The Painted World? which yes. is the, the, the first of her signature cards. This is a... Well, it's, it's an event that doesn't have a cost. Okay. So it doesn't cost zero. It costs dash. It has a, a willpower, an agility, and a wild icon, which is, is nice for her. It's always going to be a double pip for, for her main stats. Yeah. And uh, it has the spell trait. Uh, Safina Rousseau deck only cannot be placed beneath Safina Rousseau. Play the Painted World as an exact copy of a non-exceptional event that is beneath Safina Rousseau. Remove the Painted World from the game instead of discarding it. So this is really exciting, I think. It's a really cool design. And it does end up with some odd flavour interactions. Uh, We've always imagined whenever Safina plays the Painted World, she's just painting a copy of whatever it is that she's going to get from the spell. So... If you're copying Hot Streak, she's just painting herself a huge pile of cash, which then become, <laughs> becomes real. 
this is the interesting idea, isn't it? We've sort of talked before about what the cards actually stand for and what do they mean. And in the backstory for Seth, she's always been a painter and she actually got offered this opportunity to create imitations by an, an art collector from Paris. And she did these imitations and they were she was very successful at them. She's very talented with her keen eye and her steady hand. And one of the paintings she painted of a strange alien city, which I think we can guess could be Carcosa, she was sort of sucked into the world of the painting. And when she got back out of that world, she knew that she'd seen something else. So that it's a little bit like um, Agnes's backstory, where Agnes starts dreaming of a different life. Seth has had this experience going through to a different place. And when she comes back out of it, everything has changed and she's gained some kind of arcane insight. But I like thinking about painted worlds as... I like thinking about the events underneath her as memories from things that she experienced in the in the painted world. And I like thinking about the painted world event as her conjuring up those experiences. She has a well of sort of memories and resource, resources of memories more than anyone else because of this life she led. And yeah, she can tap into that. That That's a more sensible way of, of <laughs> looking at it, but it's definitely less ridiculous, yeah. which, which is a shame. Painting a picture of a backstab, showing it to an enemy and then stabbing them in the back. <laughs> yeah. Well, we always picture it as she, she paints the enemy being stabbed in the back and then it's, it, it has happened as soon as she's painted it, which is that's pretty which is good. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what are the ramifications of having three copies of this event in your deck? I think that there's several. It means you can you can play the same event more times, which is cool, yeah. even if you only aim to use it on a particular event. So, you know, you could say, well, I've got f- uh, five elusives in my deck, uh, so I can yeah. really dodge around the place, which, yeah, that's the kind of the base level of it. But you can also start to see they then become additional copies of your uh, higher experience spells, uh, or, or cards rather. So maybe I buy a hot streak early on. You know, I've spent four experience on a hot streak. Actually, even with a single hot streak in my deck, I potentially have four hot streaks if I can get hot streak underneath my my investigator card. Yeah. So so the ideal potentially is that you hit one card for five times. You, you have two copies in your deck and you play it three times. Of course, that's not always going to happen. And it is entirely dependent on the cards that end up underneath Seth. So to me, that encourages a range of of different types of events. If you only go for movement events, Astral Travel and Elusive, you could end up with all four copies underneath Seth. And then, well, I suppose you could, you'd be guaranteed your movement, but you wouldn't be guaranteed any kind of range. Exactly, yeah. And I was going to go on to say this. Actually, the strength is, of course, you can play the same card five times. You know, maybe a back, five backstabs sounds pretty good. Yep. Or... You can you can have much more flexibility. We we talked about this on our last episode with No Stone Unturned. We were saying the strength of that is that it's another copy of any card in anyone's deck. Painted World isn't quite that powerful, but it's another copy of of whichever is the most useful of the five cards you've kept. So if you've yeah. got underneath your card, you've got a backstab, a water protection, an elusive, you know, a Painted World couldn't be any of those cards. Whichever is the most useful. Yeah. Yeah. I should just clarify as well that when it says play it as an exact copy of a non-exceptional event, that means 
things including the fast text and the cost on the card. It's essentially the Painted World turns into whatever that card is. So Painted World is great if you have Ward of Protection underneath Seth because you have extra Wards of Protection on tap and you can still play them in the Mythos phase even though you don't have an action. It doesn't doesn't cost you an action to play it in that case because it, it takes on the fastness of Ward of Protection. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we won't go... There's a few little rules, quirks around the painted world, but the best place to go, I mean, even if we go through them now, you know, people won't remember it when it comes up in the game anyway. The best place to go is Arkham DB and just look up the actual card and underneath there's the FAQ, relevant FAQ rulings for painted world. So that's a great source of info. Yeah, I think that's exactly the right thing to do. <laughs> so far, she sounds wonderful, but there must be some downsides. I'm sure there is. (laughs) Stars of Hyades, her weakness, has quickly become one of my least favourite weaknesses. So this is a treachery card. It's curse-traded, and it reads, Revelation, randomly choose an event beneath Seth and remove it from the game. If you cannot, take one damage and one horror. If your deck has five or more cards in it, shuffle stars back into your deck instead of discarding it. Every sentence on that card I hate. <laughs> <laughs> this is almost a, it's, it's a unique... A, a lot of the, even the signature weaknesses, you can see how they, they could apply to any investigator. This is, a, this is totally unique to, to Safina because of the, the unique way she works. Yeah, yeah. So this lovely pool that we've just been talking about of five events and how we're going to paint multiple events and get everything we need out of it that's great until you pull stars and that hot streak that you've put under there and you're just waiting to find your first painted world suddenly the hot streak is discarded and it's not even into your discard pile it's out of the game so the chance of painting it is gone forever so far there's no way of adding new events underneath Seth's card if they ever add a card that has that ability that would be incredible but yes you lose that I'd, I'd be quite dubious about the possibility of that happening. We might see an, an alternate. We've seen a couple of the, the investigators come out in an alternate form. So yeah. maybe we'll see a Siphon with an alternate form. Who knows? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. A, a replacement signature card that maybe allows you to put one event underneath her or some, something like that that allows you to fill up her pool. I haven't thought about more than that. So the other thing that we realise is this, this pool of five is also sort of a health bar for Seth, because once those events are gone, every time you see stars, you're taking a damage and a horror. Given that she only has five health, as you already noted, that damage aspect of stars is really quite dangerous. And to make matters worse, it's not a one-off. <laughs> it just keeps going back into your, your deck if you've not got down to five cards left. The, interestingly, this is in direct competition with her inbuilt ability. Not the not the signature spells, but her ability to draw a card from beneath her investigator card. So you could draw Stars of, of Hyades five times before it does anything. Yeah. Every time you draw a card from underneath her, though, you get fewer chances to survive the Stars of Hyades. Yeah. What that really hints at, or what that, to me, plays out as, is this: she's an investigator with lots of inbuilt tensions, her stat line provides tensions for advancing the game, 
the events underneath her, there's this tension between do you draw the ones you want or do you leave them there to paint them? Do you draw them to protect them or do you leave them there to get hit by stars? There's almost every choice. There's a there's there's two valid options. You know, leaving a card under you is good because you can paint it, but it's bad because of stars. And I really like this kind of contradiction that's built into her that can be yeah really really fun to navigate let's have a think then about what types of deck or what what archetypes i can build with safina and if i'm doing those particular roles what kind of cards i need to include so you've played a fair bit of safina haven't you in fact you're running through dunwich solo with her as as part of your podcast series yeah yeah so Solo is, a, I suppose, a, a slightly different beast. But just from her stats, I, I think that the challenge there is do you lean on willpower, and that, broadly speaking, is go mystic, or do you lean on agility, which is, broadly speaking, go rogue? Because both pools, just while we think about events, have useful events that play off those statistics. So you've got backstab and you've got blinding light. They're both cards that can do damage and cards that test their relevant statistic but working out which way you go is the real the real puzzle at the center of it i think given her low intellect and her low combat whichever route you want to go with her you're going to need to find alternate or sort of non-conventional ways of of getting there and definitely i think the mystic route you could try and build a fairly all-rounder mystic deck with Seth that I think would do pretty well as long as you can boost her willpower enough so she can play Shriveling, she can play Rite of Seeking, she can play that other event that gets you clues when you draw an encounter card. The name escapes me at the moment. She'd be cancelling cards with water protection. She could even be running a Storm of Spirits to be doing group damage. And in that build, you're looking at, at Seth the Mystic, essentially, and it it's fulfilling the role that a that a traditional mystic, I think, would be fulfilling within a party, which is maybe being a bit of a generalist, like we talked about in a, or a catchy episode, and kind of doing whatever's needed. Yes, I, I agree with all of that. <laughs> so, so Safina is in our uh, blind playthrough group of uh, Path to Carcosa, and, and that's a four-player team. And actually, I've seen her develop in quite an interesting way over the course of that. She, you often have a role on a team which is which is a generalist, I guess, someone who can who bit of a hybrid. They can do some fighting or they can do some investigating. And yeah. I think Stefan's card pool to an extent supports that. There's a few cards, things like lockpicks, uh, which support investigation, or things like right of seeking and uh, and drawn to the flame. Yeah. Or she's got the various rogue tricks for uh, for combat as well, so things like backstab and sneak attack. So. When we went into it, I thought that's what we would be doing. You know, it would be hybrid, hybrid character. Actually, how she's turned out, it's almost like a, a crit character or a burst character that she she spends a lot of time building up, drawing cards, preparing, assisting with things like investigation on occasion. But her her main strength is to take down the big enemies or when something needs to be done in a hurry or with, with style and panache, she can step in and she's got the resources uh, and the, the tricks to be able to do it. So like a double or nothing backstab or, uh, you know, a, a double or nothing shriveling or, or you know, a, a combo of blinding light and sneak attacks. 
yeah. all helped by the fact that she's got access to to all of those cards underneath there with their with their painted world. Yeah, I think we we've we've been talking about this more generally about you know one of the reasons people don't like Skidzo tools or tool or rate him sort of less strong than other investigators is that he is a sort of subpar guardian but what that really does is it sells short everything he gains from the rogue pool which is a way of you know doing massive amounts of damage in single actions or committing three or four cards to a test that earn him lots more actions yeah he's not the slow and steady i will chop up everything i meet and seth does a similar thing you're sort of selling yourself short if you want her to run as a normal investigator, given that you're starting with eight cards and all of these options, and you can chuck quick thinkings and double or nothings into tests if you wanted to. Yeah, that it's, I think it's a very strong way to build Sephira, actually, and I think I'd encourage people to go down that route as a almost as, as a base build for her to consider these cool tricks, save up all the cool tricks, and then splatter some 10 health enemies the turn it appears speaking of cool tricks one solo build i experimented with was the uh, sleight of hand chicago typewriter seth oh yeah the reason she likes this is that you can play slight repeatedly oh, of course yeah yeah she just paints a picture of a of a tommy gun reaches in pulls it out and then starts <laughs> shooting people yeah exactly yeah exactly any deck that leans on using events runs the risk of running out of events because they're one-offs, uh, or one-offs rather. And that's where Wendy becomes so strong with her amulet that she can replay events repeatedly and potentially end up with an, a deck that's entirely events that are just cycling. And she kind of turns them into almost like semi-permanent. And Seth does a similar thing. You know, if you want to be playing sleight of hand, you're only going to get a couple of shots at it and then it's going to go. But Seth makes that more reliable as an option because you can sleight of hand once by painting it, play Chicago typewriter, maybe do a couple of shots, get the typewriter back. Then either you could paint sleight again, get two attempts at it, or if you wanted to, at that point, you could draw sleight of hand into your hand and play it to play the typewriter again. So it just, it just stretches the effectiveness of any given combo even further which can be incredibly re- rewarding. So uh, one of the limitations, and this is a similar limitation to uh, what Daisy faces, is that she has she has a... I mean, it's good, but not great willpower, but she can't access the higher levels of spells, which include willpower boosts. I mean, in particular, in particular thinking of shriveling here. Shriveling yeah. level three gives you an additional two to your willpower. Which she would love if she could ever get it. Yes. Know? Uh, and unfortunately, unlike Daisy, she doesn't really have infaction ways of, you know, boosting her willpower to to a large extent. She can use things like Holy Rosary. Uh, I mean, she can use what am I talking about? She can use arcane uh, studies as well, and yeah. ho- hopefully, or Moxie. Her, oh, Moxie, yeah, and she could potentially gain a lot of cash with her inbuilt events. Yeah, what you mentioned really touches on a, a sort of a, a broader issue for Seth, which is that. If you're not careful, you end up spread too thin. You've got great willpower cards. Maybe you're running lockpicks as well, so you're looking at your intellect. And you've got some agility-based cards. Maybe you want to to run a Spirit of Thame or something else that boosts your combat. And suddenly, you've got all of these different cards that you're trying to boost, uh, different stats you're trying to boost, rather. And that can be really 
really tricky. You can end up with a handful of cards, but none of them boost the right statistic. Particularly in solo, I think having a really clear idea of these are the statistics I boost and these are the ones I just don't care about is really useful because otherwise, given the the willpower support she needs, otherwise you, you end up just floundering. If, say, you take 15 events in Seth, that leaves you with 18 cards that you can take between assets and skills. So if you're going to do that classic, I'll take two of each of the neutral skills, that's eight of your cards already gone, and you're left essentially with five assets in pairs, if that's the way you'd go, which really is not very much. If you want an ally and a shriveling and a flashlight, or maybe a right of seeking, you're you're really, the, the, the space in her deck is actually under a lot of competition for the things that will help her survive. And so I, I've definitely... I've probably built more decks for her that feel like they haven't really worked than for any other investigator. Yeah, I, I, I can see that absolutely. I've only built a couple of decks for her, but I think there's a certain amount of, of fine-tuning there needed to, to kind of just get the balance right of the, the various competing areas. Yeah, yeah. The way I describe it to myself is that, is that the the wheels come off. You have all of these fun things that you're going to do, and then it it all kind of crumbles apart. I think this is why you absolutely certainly want um, Adaptable in there. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's another great thing about her card pool that's worth bearing in mind. She can get loads of actions if she needs to. She can really fine-tune her deck up to four, making four level zero swaps between every single scenario, which is great. She can also, she also has access to Streetwise, which, to my mind, is one of the strongest permanent talents. And... Combined between Mystic and Rogue, she's probably in the wealthiest two factions in terms of resources. Yeah, yeah. You know, Alchemical Transmutation, Renfield, Uncage the Soul, and Lone Wolf, Hot Streak, Burglary. A lot of options to make sure that she's swimming in cash. So, Peter, what what do you enjoy about Sephina, either with your the person you're playing and your full player with, or your own experience? Well, I... I love events, so uh, an investigator dedicated to events I, I really like as well. And I like the idea that you have a more reliable start with drawing one of those cards as well, because those first few turns, uh, sometimes, you know, difference between getting on and doing well in a scenario or having struggling with time towards the very end of the first few turns, uh, if you don't, yeah, don't yeah. get yourself set up, sometimes you don't have a chance to catch up as you go through the whole scenario. So that big opening hand, I really like. Given that she actually probably needs more setup than than almost any other investigator, because she wants to be boosting her statistics and she has such measly intellect and combat, she's really lucky that she starts with a really good boost. Yeah, exactly. But I also like her ability to, to combo events together and to do some real power plays over the course of, of a single turn. Having anything combined with double or nothing is really nice. When you've also yeah. got some of those mystic events. I mean, even something like a, blind, a level 2 blinding light with a double or nothing. You know, suddenly that's 4 damage and uh, an exhausted enemy, which you can then sneak attack afterwards. It's, it's those kind of plays I find really cool. Looking at these cards in your hand and maybe, what is it... Um, it's Texas Hold'em, where you've got the cards down and you can use any of those cards to make mm-hmm. up your poker yeah, hand. Yeah. 
it's almost like that. So you've got Painted World, which is a proxy for any other card underneath it as well. So you, you've got, there's a lot of options, a lot of ways to slice things there. And I think there's a lot of fun plays you can do and everyone else around the table goes, oh, that's cool when you do it and everything comes together. Really enjoyable watching as people, uh, as the Seth player crunches all of the possible options and then comes out with this, oh, here's six damage for you. And you're like, wow, where did that come from? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or you're sitting around all thinking, well, everything's going okay, you know, as long as we don't draw a big enemy from the encounter deck. And then a big enemy turns up and everyone's like, oh no, we're all, we're all stuffed now. Sephina says in and says, don't worry, I'll paint as an answer. I'll paint as a way out of here. Uh, and then, yeah, just no. just absolutely splatters it. In our four-player Carcosa, the Seth player is running the level two sneak attack. Yeah, I think our Seth player has ju- just bought that. Oh, it's incredible, Peter. It's so it good, good because you don't even need to evade them. So she just turns up. So the benefit is that it's it's when it's an enemy that isn't engaged with you rather than an enemy that's exhausted. Is that right? Yeah. So she just, what will sometimes happen is Seth will run into a location, paint a sneak attack and play it, maybe one from hand, or paint a sneak attack and move on. And she's just hit someone for two damage without a test, without anything, just sort of blithely skipping just on, past. On, on the way past, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the, you know, the Guardian comes in and mops up or whatever it is, or maybe it was engaged with the Guardian and she saved the Guardian in action. But yeah, that, that card in a large group where you know it's quite likely that she doesn't have the enemy is incredible. She can even think on her feet when she draws an enemy to not be engaged with it so that it ends up with someone else so that later she can turn up and, and sneak attack them. It's, yeah, really wonderful. She adds so much sort of versatility to these rogue events that we already thought were pretty powerful, but required specific situations. So it, it, would, it, would, it, would you say that's what you particularly enjoy about having her in your team or playing as her? Yeah, in the team, I enjoy just that she's almost um, opaque. You can't really tell what she's going to do. You can look at all the options, but she has this massive hand of cards and it's sort of... She's sort of rogue agent, really. And playing her, my experience is more solo than anything else. She's tricky. I think I think that's what I find rewarding. She she requires you to play in a different way than I think any other investigator. And there are these all of these decision points that litter the the road as you play her. And I found that really nice to try and crunch the sort of difficult moments. I really like that you know, even even the draw action for Seth is do you want to do a lucky dip from your deck or do you want to draw a card that you know that what you'll get but you lose the opportunity to paint it any further and sort of balancing that out is really fun i love those moments in scenarios where you you know you look look down and you're like well actually there's no possible option for me to use elusive now so that card is just protecting for hyades but also if yeah. i need an intellect or an agility icon i need to draw it at some point because i'm not going to paint it and sort of balancing that out, I'm not. I'm not sure why I enjoy that so much, but but yeah, I do. I think it it makes it rewards taking your time, being being aware of what you're doing, which I like. Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I hope this has given people some insight into the various ways that we view Sephina and the way we like to build decks for her. I think she's a really interesting investigator, but one that's as as you hinted at, you know, in in, in what you were saying just before there, one that you can maybe get totally wrong and end up with a really negative experience playing as a yeah yeah and maybe we've missed something out that you think is glaringly obvious with Seth an auto include or a a really powerful card that really works in her deck so you can let us know 
You can find us on Facebook. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. We're drawn to the flame there. Or you can email us, drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. Thank you as ever for the people who email and who get in touch. It really makes it feel all worthwhile. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I'm United Everywhere. That's U-N-I-T-L-E-D. Just find me on Discord or Twitter or on the Reddit as well. I'm running the card of the day thread over on the Reddit. Can I also say how good that segue was into our contact details? Oh, cool. I, I hadn't much. even intended that to be a segue and then you just picked it up and ran with it, Frank. You're such a oh, pro. Great. Thanks very much. If, like Peter, you really enjoyed that segue, maybe you want to get in touch with me <laughs> oh, and tell me oh, how good it was. Oh, he's done it again. He's done it again. You can reach me on Twitter. I'm fb that's eph underscore bee and i'm around the place as zooey glass or zozo you've probably seen me on facebook as well how was that that was that was incredible frank i'm, I'm stunned <laughs> it's a good job i'm already sat down <laughs> thank goodness it's the end of the episode don't uh, yeah. talk anymore <laughs> thank you everyone for listening thank you bye bye fly literally fly into my room fly <laughs> yeah 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 uh he is being carried by my wife vicky say oh, okay. hello to frank hi frank <laughs> hi vicky frank, hi.